The Gospel reading is from Matthew. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked Jesus a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and the first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. The word of God for the people of God. I can't tell you what a joy it is to worship here with you today on this very appropriate occasion. I'm so thankful to Will for inviting me. Um, You're so blessed. We're so blessed to have Will and Josh as your pastoral leaders. To have this wonderful choir. Magnificent voices, organists, to have that beautiful rendition of Mozart's powerful Alleluia, how well that was sung. We're thankful for the violinist and the pianist. Uh, We're thankful for the children in this diner that they have made. That will be here a long time after many of us are gone. Like many of you, I can't remember when our family was not going to church at Central. Mom and Dad and Sissy and I used to sit over there under the balcony on the second row. And that was our place. (laughs) When I was 10 years old, I took vows of church membership standing right here. In 1980, when Daddy died, we had his funeral here. And in 1992, when Mother died, we had her funeral here. Many of you have had that same kind of experience. You were baptized here. You were confirmed here. You had um, weddings here. You had funerals here. So you know what I'm talking about. When I was entering the 12th grade at McLennigan High School, I started coming to church here at night. We always came in the morning, but I didn't go to church at night. And I confess to you that my motive was slightly less than spiritual. About that same time, I started dating the most beautiful student, female student, in McLennigan. Her name was Hannah. Hannah went to church on Sunday nights. (laughs) Now, she was Presbyterian, but we made the compromise that if I'd go to church on Sunday night, she would come to Central. Wright Spears was the preacher then. 
And right uh, started something new at the Sunday night service. After his sermon, the lights were dimmed, the organist played quiet music, and everyone here was invited to come to the altar, to the, to the chancel rail, and, and to pray. Now, he didn't have to come. It wasn't any pressure. But often I came. Sometimes I didn't. I mean to pray. But it was in that setting, in this place, in this chancel rail, that I got my first inklings of a call to ministry. So I want to begin this morning by warning you. <laughs> that was a God thing that happened. And when you come into Central, be careful. Because God may be calling you to something that will turn your life upside down and inside out and in a direction in which you'd never expected to go. I'm so thankful for Central. I don't know what had happened if I hadn't been here that night, those nights, but it was a very meaningful experience for me. I have a friend named uh, Pat. And I was talking to Pat one day, and I said, Pat, um, when do you go to church? And he said, oh, Jack, I'm, a, I'm an Episcopalian. Um, I go to the Episcopal church. And I said, Pat, w w why are you an Episcopalian? And he said, well, my mother was an Episcopalian, and my daddy was an Episcopalian, so I joined the Episcopal church. And I said, Pat, that's the dumbest reason I ever heard for joining the church. <laughs> what would you have done, Pat, if your mother had been an ignoramus? <laughs> what if your daddy had been an ignoramus? What would you have done then? And he said, Jack, I guess if my mother had been an ignoramus and I had been an ignoramus, um, I probably would have been a Methodist. <laughs> well, that's okay by me, because that's who we are as Methodists. We do welcome the ignorant and the intellectual, the rich and the poor, the young and the old, the red the yellow, the brown, the black, the white, people of all cultures are welcomed here as a part of the kingdom. We welcome those who are male and female. We welcome those who are gay and straight. Open hearts, open doors, open minds. And that's what's so thrilling to me, to be a part of the United Methodist Church and to have my roots uh, here at Central. What I've learned as I got moved into ministry was what's the most important thing in the, in the gospel. It's what I call the main thing, the main thing. We need in the gospel in the church and discipleship we need 
to make the main thing the main thing. And what is the main thing? Well, the lawyer asked Jesus that day, Lord, what's the most important, what's the main thing? And Jesus said, love God, love your neighbor as you love yourself. So one day I asked St. Paul, Paul, what's the main thing? And he said, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. And then he said at the end of that beautiful 13th chapter of Corinthians, Now these things abide, faith, hope, love. But the greatest of these, the main thing, is love. In the New Testament, the name of John appears both on a gospel and on three little letters over toward the end of the New Testament. John was getting to be an old man. He had retired some years ago. But one day the elders invited him to come back and preach one more time. John knew it was probably the last time he'd preached to that congregation kind of like how I feel today. So when he stood to preach, he said, little children, love one another. For love is of God. And they who love are born of God and know God. For God is love. Jesus said, by this shall all know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. Jesus said, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you. How's that song go? They'll know we're Christians by our love. In the end, not by our buildings, not by our budgets, not by our programs, but by our love. They'll know out there that we're Christians by our love. Let me suggest just some simple ways to express that love. I take the word love, L-O-V-E, and use the first, the, each of those letters as the first letter of a word that suggests how we make, how we love. The L stands for listen. If we really love somebody, we listen to them. One of my sons is a physician, and he told me one day, um, Daddy, um, do you know doctors will listen to their patients for at least 12 seconds before they interrupt the patient. I didn't say that, the doctor told me. Uh, my wife Hannah used to say I have a selective hearing. I listen, but I don't always hear. What our children need, what our spouses need, 
what our parents need, what old folks need more than anything else is somebody to listen to us. When we love some, we're going to listen. The O stands for observe, to look, to see what's going on in the world. Do you see that in the world today, this very day, around the world, 20,000 children will die of malnutrition, poverty-related conditions, and preventable diseases. Do you know that? Do you see that? Do you know in South Carolina, we can see that we're offering our children a minimally adequate education? Minimally adequate. What if one day somebody said, um, here you got a new preacher over at Central. How's he doing? And you said, well, he's minimally adequate. <laughs> Talk to the football coach at Wofford, Clemson, Carolina. Well, what kind of team are you going to have this year? Well, it'll be minimally adequate. And yet, in the Constitution of this state, that's all that's required for us to give to our children. I'm asking, do we see that? Do we love our children enough to change that? The V stands for value. Listen, observe, value. Every person we see, every person, is made in the image of God. Every one of us is a person for whom Christ died. And every person we see, no matter who they are, their race, their culture, whatever, they're made in God's image. Empathy is the last word. To sympathize is to feel sorry for somebody. But to empathize is to get inside their skin and to see what they see and to feel what they feel. That's what it is to love. And Jesus calls us to love one another and to listen. A number of years ago, a young boy named Jim was born here in the eastern part of our country. And Jim wasn't like other boys. He didn't like to play football or baseball or basketball. Jim had rather stay at home with his mom and learn to cook and to sew. And as he grew up, he had only one or two dates because he felt very uncomfortable around girls. Life for Jim was not pleasant when he was growing up and in high school. So after he graduated, he decided to go out west to go to college out there, and he did, and he completed college, and then he decided to stay and to live there. Because when he had gotten to California, he found a community that accepted him, that appreciated him, that supported him, that loved him. And then one day, Jim got sick. He went to the doctor. The doctor said, 
Jim, you have AIDS. The medical profession rallied around to help him. His friends supported him. And Jim got homesick. He hadn't been home to see his parents in years. He put in a call. His mother answered the phone. He said, Mom, this is Jim. And she replied, Jim, how you doing? And he said, Mom, I'm sick. I have AIDS. And he said there was just a moment of hesitation. And then his mother said, Jim, please come home. And so he decided to come back and visit with his parents one more time. And he caught a bus, rode all the way across the country. When he got to the town where he grew up, he was walking to his house and he was very uneasy, very nervous. He didn't know how his daddy would receive him. He was thin and frail and emaciated. And he walked up to the door and he knocked on the door. And his daddy opened the door. And Jim said that if his daddy was alarmed about his appearance, he didn't say anything. His daddy just opened the door, put his arms around it, said, Jim, I'm glad you're home. When Jim went back out to California to live out his last days, he told his friends, he told the doctor that story. And Jim said, everybody needs to be loved like that.